1: Uh, an exhibit opening at the Natural History Museum. There's a uh, for anyone in Norman planning to visit Norman at the Sam Noble Museum. They've got a traveling traveling exhibit right now. It's the uh, Winged Tapestry exhibit featuring photography from Jim De River. Rivera, I believe. It's I, I'm I'm bad with name pronunciations at times, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's a uh, winged tapestries. It's it's about moths and he uh, started the project, just photographing all the moths in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, and he, I, he, he's got some good stuff up there. So go check that out. If you're interested in, in moths, natural history, the museum's fun, but Mickey and I, uh, I, I spotted on Facebook, the museum did an event for gym members, gym members, museum <laughs> members.
2: Never uh, been a member of a gym.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right. For museum members. Um, this first time I've noticed an event like this, um, but it was great. Uh, it was free to, to members. Uh, they provided some food and some beverages, um, which was great. Uh, and then we we got to hear a lecture from the photographer, uh, and and it, it was enjoyable. We weren't expecting a lecture. We were expecting it to be more of a kind of a drop-in type uh, of event. But
2: walk around and view the yeah walk, exhibits.
1: Yeah, we actually we. It's kind of funny uh, we looked at the i looked a, a little bit at the exhibit not really much at all because you know, we do have the the past there because we take the girls to the natural history museum a lot and and mickey and i were like we're gonna see this probably a couple hundred times but it's it's going through may um you know but hate to date the podcast between you know. <laughs> but oh, wow. but it was fun and uh so that's if anybody wants you know has been questioning whether or not to buy an annual Jim like family member or gym, museum <laughs> what is wrong with me? Museum membership um then then yeah, check that out because it's not just a free access to the to the museum you actually get um you get some cool material and you you get events like this this was a preview of the exhibit uh exclusive to members
2: oh that's just a cool museum and I yeah
1: mean. and they're they're not a sponsor um by the way that this is just We just had such a good time and it, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a cool museum. The setup's great. It's kid friendly, but it's not, um, it's not a waste of time at all. It's very educational. It was a whole lot of fun. In
2: the meantime, I stayed at home with your kiddos. And
1: we appreciate that. And (laughs) so that's, uh, that's one of the, the great things about Emily coming up is she, she does watch the kids and we don't have to pay her. Although. We are going to go out. Uh, we're going to take her out tonight. We're hiring a sitter because she comes up all the time and she watches our kids while we go to these great restaurants.
2: And then I get to hear the story. And then so. she gets to hear about how wonderful
1: <laughs> these restaurants are. So tonight we're actually, we're going to, uh, we've got, we, we had, we had some gift cards. So we're going to take her out to one of the, the nicer places.
2: <laughs> you see how I'm valued <laughs> I get
1: the gift card meal. <laughs> hey, it, this is not a, this is, I mean, Hey, this is a, this could be a whole nother night out for us. <laughs> I know. And, uh. But it it.
2: Hey, I'm not knocking it. The good food's food. gonna taste
1: the same, <laughs> right? Whether it was bought with gift cards or a stack of pennies, hundred dollar bills doesn't matter.
2: Yeah. Well, I you know you know me and food. I love 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 good food. Yep. And
1: so this this will be a chance for you to to go out and check out a place that we normally wouldn't all go to because that's a little pricey. So we we may talk about that tomorrow when we record. We'll see. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm sure we will. I'll probably be raving about the food from everything I've heard. So yeah. But uh, speaking of food, Is speaking Esau of food, oh yeah, Esau <laughs> sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we covered a lot of that. Um, but there's there's two incidents with Esau and Jacob um, Con-
1: concerning the birthright.
2: Well, one's concerning the birthright, and one's concerning the blessing. Okay. And. How and why those differentiates kind of kind of fuzzy.
1: Because I I always kind of put those two together.
2: Well, I did, too, until I actually sat down and started systematically going through it. And then then it's like, oh, this is not the same incident. These are two separate events.
1: I knew there were two separate events, but that's actually again, you talk about uh, we, we touched on Jacob and Esau and how. You know, we try to to rationalize God and and how we try to put that out there that, oh, the blessing of, of Jacob was his to take anyway because Esau sold him his birthright. And so we use that to try to justify, oh, well, Jacob didn't actually steal the blessing. And then we get
2: into looking at the text and uh, yeah, kind of is. He, he did. And what's interesting is that the the two events are separated by when Isaac winds up going to spend some time with Abimelech, mm-hmm. and we know that Abraham spent some time with Abimelech. And we, like I said before, we're going to spend a whole lot of time on this one because we have heard the story before. And Isaac, when he gets down there uh, with Abimelech, uh, he was heading to Egypt. God cut him off. Said, "Don't go to, don't go to Egypt." He pauses with Abimelech and he passes Rebecca off as his sister Great. instead of his wife. So, number one. Rebecca's still pretty hot after having twins. So that that's kind of interesting there. Number 2, these guys are pretty much grown. So yeah. she's not young anymore. And that says something about her presentation and, you know, what what would draw Abimelech. Now, Abimelech's no spring chicken himself because we've already had all of these, you know, interactions with Abraham before. So I I just, I think it's kind of interesting because we, we, we look at people in the Bible and we kind of idealize them and we don't like the idea of the passage of time. And so I was trying to think we, um,
1: and everyone's really clean on the flannel graph.
2: Always, always like they have deodorant back then. I think, you know,
1: yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the new, uh, I think we won't put that on a t-shirt, um, (laughs) we're, we're, we're flannel graph fears to tread. Uh, I think (laughs) that's going to be our our new slogan well
2: after some of our uh <laughs> our yeah some of this stuff and we've been talking about going into judges so <laughs> <laughs> we'll really get there <laughs> so
1: yeah so so uh yeah we don't really have a whole lot on on isaac and abimelech uh especially because it, it's basically the same thing that the, the only major uh things that that jumped out from that was there's no record that she went to the the chambers of the king mm-hmm uh, or uh, yeah, to them Chambers. There's, and then Jacob is, or Jacob Isaac. I was why I always mix up Jacob and Isaac, and well, I don't. Well, you had know a why.
2: gym membership, but you know. Yeah, I,
1: I can't say anything right today. Um, had a gym membership that got me in the museum, but no. So, yes, the um, and then basically Isaac isn't even good at selling the whole. The, he isn't He's good at selling the, the lie. <laughs> And so, yeah, it's kind of kind of humorous. That he
2: just doesn't have it in him. I was it's like,
1: you you don't uh, interact with your sister that way.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's the thing. It says that Abimelech looked down and he saw them, and it kind of depends on your translation here. Uh, he was fondling; they were sporting. Uh, it, it, it's funny how translators try to come up with with proper ways to say these things, and uh, but the word there. It, one of the things that has been pointed out, and this is kind of speculation, but it's worthwhile speculation. The uh, If you remember back with the story of Ishmael and Isaac, um, that Ishmael was making fun or mocking Isaac. Mm-hmm. The word there is the same. And so this has led some people to believe that Ishmael may have been sexually molesting Isaac. Mm-hmm. And this is... Really, I, I I don't know if I'm comfortable with that because of the the relationship later on, where they they are burying Abraham together. Mm-hmm. That Esau goes to to Ishmael to get a wife. I
1: yeah, it's that's kind of a weird yeah. way to go with the 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 story.
2: Well, I, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Esau last week, where you know we read so much evil into these bad guys. Mm-hmm. We we really we really do. We want our good guys to wear the white hats bad guys to wear the black hats, and we don't want any gray in between. Right. And the Bible's not like that, and that's one of the cool things about the Bible is the people are complex, and they they have varying levels of good and bad, and sometimes they're stellar, and sometimes, man, they...
1: Well, it's, it's like the whole record of what happens versus the record of of how we want it to be. Mm-hmm. But speaking of ideal circumstances, let's just go... <laughs> I don't know. Should, I guess we let's move on with the text. So, <laughs> So, so we have, so we talked, you know, about the narrative mm-hmm. part anyway, about Jacob and Esau, about Esau selling the birthright right. to, to Jacob. And then, so now we're going to talk later about the blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the blessing a little bit, and then what are the differences between those things?
2: Well, now you're, that's the thing. We really don't have a good, good distinction of what the two are. Okay. And even when I've listened to different rabbinic uh, speakers and, and writings, there, there's, there's something missing in our historical record. We aren't really sure what the difference is. We just know that the Bible cares enough to make a distinction. Okay, And so we kind of have to leave it there. But the, the story, uh, the basic story, is that Isaac is—Jacob's uh, getting old. No, Isaac. Isaac, now you got me doing it. It's not my fault. <laughs> Isaac is getting older. Uh, we don't know uh, why he thinks he's getting ready to die, but he he feels like death is imminent. We know know that he goes on to live several more years after this, and uh, but he tells Esau, "Hey, you know, go get me some food. When you come back, I'll give you the blessing."
1: Now, uh, that's that's curious to me. Okay, so uh, I'm curious about that because, and this is just again me speculating. Is is the whole thing about like? thinking you're getting ready to die is there any is there any information that maybe that's just kind of like a uh, like an old idiom for like it's time for new to retire like i'm getting too old to to work the fields
2: well that's that's kind of essentially what happens um because uh, we're going to leave this behind when when we get ready to leave this behind we move into jacob's story isaac is forgotten about and then esau you know he is working in the fields he's doing the things that his dad loves and mm-hmm. there there is that real Bond between the two being connected to the land, Esau and Isaac, which kind of explains a little bit of why Esau was the favorite son right. for Isaac. Matter of fact, it's funny that he, Esau marries two women, and uh, one of them is daughter of the well, and what's Isaac do? He he digs wells mm-hmm. just like Abraham, uh, and the other one is a spice tree. So very outdoorsy, yeah, kind of names, and that's very much in keeping with Esau's character. And Jacob, he he's more about the home. He he's spending time with Rebecca, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's there's something in that that they were, uh, they do have their favorites. But at the same time, Rebecca is more like Abraham than Isaac ever was, mm-hmm. and she and she's very dramatic. Uh, and when when Esau uh, chooses the the two wives from the Hittite wives, she's like, oh what does life even mean to me what, what you know when she's pregnant oh i i should just die and you know there's abraham when he's talking to abimelech about what god's promised him oh i'm wondering i'm hopelessly lost and it, so there's this very dramatic flair that the two of them have that isaac he just seems to miss out on but
1: well, and it's really funny like if you've heard people who have who have studied uh with rabbis or heard rabbis speak a lot of a lot of them, not all of them. You know that's kind of a gross generalization, but a lot of rabbis are very animated, mm-hmm. and it's really funny to me the contrast of how, uh, how dryly we read we read the text, um, versus how they would have interpreted and studied. And it's actually isn't there, is there some joke about that about the way the way of study, like because cause the way that the way that the 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 rabbis would teach would be through through midrash and being these arguments and discussions and, uh,
2: yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a joke in there because
1: something about a priest and a rabbi and the, and the, the rabbi asked what I I think the priest. Okay. That's what it was. So the priest is taking a rabbi around the school and they go to this one room and it's very quiet. And the, and the, 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 the the rabbi asks, well, what do they do in this room? And the priest says, well, here we study the scriptures. And he says, how can you tell? And (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean he goes, I can hear myself
2: right, well, yeah, because that what that's the thing. there was always that argument, that ongoing debate that was going on between the rabbis, and if you read the Talmud and and you can even get this online, you can find copies of the Talmud that you can just read through how they discuss through things. matter of fact, I've got some quotes that I want to read later. Um, I wasn't even planning on it being a good illustration for this, but that's how it worked out, yep and um but the, that that interplay where. You have to defend your position. It forces you to to really reach into that person and try to understand that person's emotions and and mindset in order to put the right inflection on things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, th- that inflection makes a world of difference. And when we do read it with b- very dryly, I th- I think we miss the possibilities of what the inflection could convey.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So.
2: But um, Isaac, we we don't know what's going on with him. Uh, why he decided he was old enough to need to do this at this point? It could be the retirement thing. Uh, there's a possibility that he thought he was going to die. He could have been ill recently. I think we've all seen parents do that. Right. We know that his eyes were dim, and this is just a fun little folklore piece, which I thought I found interesting. Uh, one of the one of the stories was that his eyes were dim because. When he was on the altar, when Abraham had offered him up, that the angel who was standing over him had cried over his situation and plight, and and the tears had fallen in his eyes, and that's why his eyes were dim. Hmm. Again, folklore, not part of scripture, but I kind of like the imagery of the angel crying over his situation.
1: and. Hmm. And it's, it's that's also very interesting because because we would have the assumption that, you know, the tears of an angel would fix whatever was wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so we we're going
2: to get there okay. too, with another story. <laughs> ok. so yeah, you're saying like a lot of stuff that's going to play in. Um, so Rebecca decides that um definitely Esau does not deserve the blessing. and she decides that she's going to to help God out. And I think we need to remember at this point because, you know several pages have passed, even if you were just reading through it. Rebecca was the one God made the promise to about that the older would serve the younger. Mm-hmm. So she knew what was going on here, but she still chose to manipulate, like her father-in-law, Abraham in with Pharaoh, with Abimelech, and that the whole idea that you've got to help God out. And, and so she she does try to help out God by putting Isaac in the place. And I think we need to to realize too the Bible never condones this act. Right. Cuz I that's one of the things I've hear from critics of the Bible. Oh my goodness, your your hero of faith was a swindler or uh I'm looking for my phone. Uh was a swindler and a cheat and you've got to tell me that you venerate him. And so scripture interprets scripture, rule number 1. Scripture interprets scripture. And um, this is what the prophets had to say about Isaac. Okay. Now, the, the prophets, you got to remember, they were written way after Isaac's death. This is Jeremiah. He says, Let everyone be aware, beware of his neighbor, and put no trust in any brother, for every brother is a deceiver, and every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. That word there for um, uh, brother and deceiver, that's a play on Jacob's name. Right. And so, it, specifically, if you're reading this in Hebrew, when you saw it, you wouldn't see these words like we see them. You would see Jacob's name. Right. And it's just the vowel pointing and stuff that's different. So, that's what um, Jeremiah has to say.
1: Well, and the importance of, uh, you yeah. said the vowel pointing, the vowel pointing is different. I almost said valve. <laughs> um, the, the vowel pointing is different. It, it, is
2: that there's a joke there too
1: but yeah in the original you know the original hebrew written hebrew you didn't have written vowels um you learn the vowels by learning to sing it right and so whenever if you were reading it then it would be the same characters basically yeah
2: you'd see the exact same letters lined up and you would go oh your brain would go there i mean we even do this today in english um you know, when we see "read" and "red," uh, you know that's a bad example because it's almost the same word. But y- you get what I'm saying. It's just that that little shift in how you, yeah, pronounce it. So, which what encephasis do you put on the syllable?
1: Yeah, so. exactly. And but yeah, it 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 is interesting. I'm trying to think what the other one is. Polish and Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to you have you have to look at the context to know which one Precisely. you're you're reading. So yeah, yeah. that's.
2: And, and, you know, it's a, it's a language. So this is Hosea 12, verses 2 through 6. And uh, So here's what Hosea has to say. The Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his way. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel. And in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with an angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke to us. And the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is... A, is his memorial day met name sorry memorial name so you by the help of your god return and hold fast to love and justice and wait continually to your god so god's going to repay jacob according to his deeds which mm-hmm. specifically grabbing his brother by the heel right as a baby yeah now we i think we have to bear in mind that this is still metaphorical at this point we talked about how the the quotation from micah Esau, have I lo- uh, Jacob, have I loved and Esau, have I hated? God's really talking about the nations at this point, right? But in doing so, God is using that metaphor of Jacob and, and making sure that people who read the Bible should know mm-hmm. God is not condoning this, and that's important because I think we talked about it some last week. How Jacob is set up as he's set up as such a hero and yeah. and well we.
1: We tend to deify um, our Old Testament characters, and even our New Testament characters for that matter. But, but we do we, we do tend to try to to clean up and, and make everyone again we make it all fit in a box. And, and we try to and we're trying to answer God's a question God's already answered, which is because I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to answer well, why did you choose Jacob? And we can't do it.
2: Well, and this is, you know, this deception here, this isn't like, you know, somebody caught you with a hand in the cookie jar and they say, are you eating cookies? And you do that defensive thing. No, this is plotted out. This is thought through. Uh, Rebecca skins the goats. um, She puts them on Jacob so that he feels hairy, which really makes you wonder exactly how much hair did Esau have on him? (laughs) that's
1: That's a hairy dude.
2: I I, I've always ever since I was a kid because we raised goats Mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's not even, yeah, that just kind of boggles your mind. But then, um, they put Esau's robes on him so that when he goes in and is near to to Isaac, he can smell the the field. And he, he, Mm -hmm. Isaac even says, you know, this is my son he smells of the field. And so they were really pushing it through and Jacob one of the things that that has been picked up on this is that Jacob seems to show some some kind of hesitation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you read what he says, it, it's actually his hesitation isn't because it's morally wrong or unethical. His hesitation is Just, what, if, what I- if I get caught? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> he He's not. A good looking. a good person he's not the kind of person that you uphold as an example to your kids um he says if my father touches me i shall appear to him as a trickster and bring upon myself a curse not a blessing and so he he is worried about being cursed and the consequences of getting caught more than than oh we we can't do this to dad that's that's wrong or we can't do that to esau
1: Right. and And this, I think, also kind of speaks to, um, like you said, Rebecca was being manipulative. This kind of speaks to putting family uh status, or being blessed by your family or and society over being blessed by God, because God's already spoken the blessing. right. And so Sarah's saying, Rebecca. or Rebecca's saying, well, God said there's going, in her mind, there's going to be a blessing but it, it hasn't been spoken yet. And so it's believe, you know, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God or are you going to believe uh, uh, Isaac?
2: It, well, and, and are we going to- Or gonna, people, rather, I guess. Well, and, <laughs> and does it, is it works-based or can you just have faith? And I think from the beginning, we see this in Genesis, that every time somebody tries to, to work out God's plan for him, it backfires. Mm-hmm. And, and so God's basically screaming at them Quit trying to do this on your own power. The, you need to just trust me.
1: Yeah. Relax. Yeah. It's like there's a repetitive theme in the book.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's reoccurring and mm-hmm. redundant. Okay. So sorry. I have this weird obsession with those words. Um, so Isaac does bless Jacob. Um, he thinking he's Esau. Mm-hmm. And Jacob, I mean, Isaac can't take it back. Because that's one thing in the Old Testament it, you find throughout that this idea of oath taking, blessing, cursing, once you speak the words, mm-hmm. they're out there. You right. you can kind of mitigate them, but you can't retract them.
1: Right. Well, and, and that's, I mean, if you go back to the the reason for that is because we have, and it's actually... um. Uh, Listen to, to Jordan Peterson. I don't, I don't always agree with him, but I think he's a he's a deep thinker for sure. Um, we but, like
2: anyone who makes us think.
1: But no, uh, one of the things he was talking about was was trust mm-hmm. and how trust is the only currency anyone has you know, when you when you boil everything down. And so in modern day, and, and now he doesn't. He does. I'm just using his example of, of trust being the currency, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't take. He doesn't talk about this part, but you know, in, in the modern world, we have contracts, we have legal repercussions if if somebody breaches contract. So in the ancient world, in order for anything to get done, and this is to go back to kind of Peterson, for anything to get done, we have to be able to trust people right? Um, and so if, if we're going to work any kind of mutually beneficial um, arrangement Mm -hmm. we have to be able to trust so we have to know that someone's word is going to be um, honored and so that's why we value things like honesty that's why we we have that built into us and so yeah when you put something out there like you said everyone who heard you is going to hold you to it because we don't have paper contracts we don't have that you know there's there's not lawsuits going on back then over these things i'm sure there's some kind of you know Authority you could appeal to on certain areas, but it's not as binding as what we would have legally here. Uh, so that's why I, you know we kind of tend to be more flippant with our words, I guess. Uh, well, you, you in know, a modern setting.
2: Uh, in Judges, you get Japheth's daughter where he makes the vow. Whatever mm-hmm. comes out of the door next, I'm gonna first thing I see when I come home from battle, I'm gonna sacrifice it to God. Right. And so this has been a huge point of debate, which we have we've been talking about. Going into judges, so mm. I don't want to give away too much there. But he was not allowed to retract that promise, even though God's completely against human sacrifice. Right. Now, did he put her on an altar and, and slit her throat? That's a question we will reserve for that future podcast. Um, now, the other thing too is when we do have paper contracts or even paper declarations, uh, maybe not paper; they might have been on clay or what have you. Written, written. Yeah, there you go. Much more concise. Uh, we see that Nestor Esther with uh, the king, mm-hmm. and the king, you know, he puts out that declaration that uh, they can kill the Jews and steal the stuff. But, and,
1: but we're talking about established governments. When, right. Right here, we're not talking necessarily about established governments.
2: But the point what I was trying to make is Sorry. even with the established government, the king said he couldn't revoke his, his law, so he had to make a mitigating decree that allowed other, the Jews to retaliate. And so this is in this culture even up to that point which that would've been much much later than what we're talking here in Genesis. Sure. There's still that value on words. And um and this is why Esau is so distraught when he finds out that Isaac has given Jacob the blessing. Yeah. He knows that Isaac cannot retract his words. He knows that Isaac can't give him the same blessing. And you know, he asks him, you know, "Did you save anything for me?"
1: Well, and that's that's the thing that kind of I was reading through this the other day and it's like well uh, Isaac basically says no I don't really have anything left so first off first off we don't really have we, we don't have Torah instructions on on uh, inheritances and how they're supposed to be chopped up at this point but Isaac gives gives everything essentially to Jacob and later on we find that you know the older son is supposed to get double what the younger son gets or double what all the other sons get, rather, mm-hmm. and so Isaac is is even kind of being a little uh, shady and and not generous with his own. Even he had planned on not being generous with Jacob at this point.
2: Yeah, he 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 really is. He's holding back. Um, you know, Esau's his favorite. He gets Esau. Esau mm-hmm. gets him, and uh, because they get each other, I don't think maybe. Isaac understood Jacob as a son and in not understanding, he didn't put the same value. I mean, if you and think about it from Isaac's point of view, you are a nomadic people. You are out fighting for your existence. Mm-hmm. You're trying to survive with warring tribes all around you.
1: And who who's going to be more likely to do that? Yeah. It's going to be... Um... It's going to be the one who's who's good with a, a spear and a sword,
2: exactly, or he's, a bow.
1: I yes, bow. Did he bow yeah. Yeah, with the bow? Okay,
2: yeah. And, and so, so from a logical, practical perspective, Esau was the right choice.
1: Yeah, and now I do kind of wonder if there's anything to that um, juxtaposition of because to be a, a bowman, you have to have sharp eyes. And you, we were talking about this last night <laughs> yes. actually while we were watching uh, watching Star Wars. Um, that. People in the ancient world i i I kind of ponder this, and I wonder I'm almost convinced that this has got to be the way it was that if you were you know if you were good with a bow or any kind of ranged weapon or trained with it, it just had to be because you could see you know you had near twenty 2020 vision and because up until the invention of glasses, a large portion of the population walked around without. Being able to see much farther than about here—that would be well, me. you know, about two or three feet in front of their face. So, you know, I that to me, I wonder if there's something to that because if he's if he hunts with a bow, um, then there's in, in, you know any kind of projectile ranged weaponry, he has to have sharp vision. So I wonder, I do wonder if there is anything to that. Um, and again, I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, to, to contrast uh, Isaac's dim vision.
2: Well, I, I I wasn't going that direction in my thought process. I was actually thinking about the fact that Jacob's whole story is about vision. Okay, and, and so you know, Esau may have had great physical vision, but he didn't have the spiritual vision. Mm-hmm. And we've got several things in there. Matter of fact, I didn't flesh this out, but since we're we're here.
1: We're going to throw this out there for just, everyone to ponder,
2: yeah. Just because, oh, well, I said I was. Ah, here it is. I love notes. Uh, <laughs> this is how I think. I mean, Jacob tricks Isaac when Isaac can't see. Um, that's going to follow up with Laban's going to trick Jacob when he can't see at night, mm-hmm. and Jacob sees the place from uh, sees God at the place where he goes to sleep, he sees the the stairway to heaven Mm -hmm. uh, versus Abraham who sees it from afar. He sees Rachel at the well. He lifts up his voice and he cries when he sees her um, as opposed to Leah, who has weak eyes. And you know, the flocks saw the sticks that he uses. God appears to Laban. Um, May the Lord watch you. Uh, All of these things, very, very much central. And I'm sure there's the chiastic structure in there. If, if someone sat down and worked it out, I didn't take time to do that because it's hard to communicate on a podcast. But everything about Isaac, Isaac, Jacob is about vision. Right. And I mean, it's, it's kind of odd that in this whole Bible, the times we talk the most about weak eyes and dim eyes is here. Hmm. And the people that are surrounding Jacob are the ones with this. So, because we don't talk about blindness really that much. I mean, there's Samson, right? But that's a war injury.
1: There's there's not any tie-in to the rabbinic teaching on uh, uh, the eyes and uh, if your eyes are are dark, uh, the whole person is dark. Or th-
2: is there any kind of commentary that ties in on that? Not that I've seen, but I'm not going to say it doesn't exist. Okay, I, well, I would have to. I we'll uh, have to
1: look that up. That 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 could be fun. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I know we're just starting a whole bunch of random <laughs> topics, and I'm sorry. I just. Well, stuff that's coming to mind. It,
2: well, and if you know, that's where in, people listening out there. If y'all guys hear us, bring something up, and we don't like go into it. But it, you go, hey, that's something I want to know more about. Can you throw it out there? I am, yeah. I'm I'm going to get out there, and I I'm going to dig in, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with it.
1: Because we'll start a lot of thoughts just <laughs> pondering, like I wonder if there's anything to this. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So we're so uh, demise,
2: Yeah. So. Well, we're with Esau. Esau is bemoaning that he doesn't have. the he, uh, Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Rebecca, she, she knows her sons. She is smart. I have to give her that. She figures out. She knows that Esau is going to be mad. But um, You think? Do what?
1: I? I said you think.
2: Just a little bit. <laughs> but she knows the other thing. She knows that Esau is going to forget about in a few days. Sure. Because she says, stay with. Uh, she tells him to go to Haran, Jacob, to go to Haran, and says, stay with him a while until your brother's fury subsides until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you've done. Then I will fetch you from there. Let, let me not lose both of you in one day. Right. So yeah, he's mad. He's probably going to try to kill you right now. But give him a couple of days to cool off and it'll all be fine. Right. And that is precisely why Esau is not the one who's fit to receive the blessing. Because he's not going to hang on to the promises. If it's not right in front of him, it doesn't exist. Esau's a lot like me, which is kind of sad. <laughs> No, because if it's not right in front of me, it doesn't exist. My cabinets, when they close, that's a whole other porthole. Uh, (laughs) There's nothing. Yeah, they just disappear. Should have had more
1: peekaboo as a child. (laughs) Object permanence didn't didn't set in. Sorry.
2: But Rebecca... I'm the same way, though. I'm I'm not... Yeah. But but that's that's the the big distinction between the two. Uh, It's not that Esau is inherently better as far as being a nice person or even a caring or kind person. It's that it's not about morality. Yeah. Pretty much. This is about God's decision and God chose the one who was going to hang on to the vision. Right. And that that's pretty awesome. And so, you know, Rebecca uses the the excuse that Jacob needs a wife to get him out of town for a little bit. Uh and again, we're right back. Typical Rebecca. You gotta love her. Um
1: these Hittite women are going to be the death of me. <laughs>
2: yes, pretty much. I she she is so over the top, and you know, and Isaac just rolls with it. He he's like, okay, this is good. But y- Jacob is responsive.
1: I went to I went to Laban to find a wife, and it worked out pretty well for me. We'll just send Jacob on too.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Laban was the one who brokered Rebecca's marriage deal. I think sometimes we forget that. And then uh, he's going to be the one who's going to broker uh, Isaac's and Rachel and Leah and Bilah and Silp. Uh, okay, yeah, we stop there. Um, but <laughs> there's only four. Send him to the cousins. You got any more of those wives? Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> Sorry, terrible. If I've learned one thing from the Bible is if you're looking for a spouse, go hang out at a well. <laughs> it's where Eleazar finds Rebecca. It's where Jacob meets Rachel. It's where Moses finds Sephora. <laughs> so go where people are drinking. Right. Never we, mind. Let's <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but Jacob allows his parents to have input into who he's going to marry. Versus um Esau, who took wives, mm-hmm. and you know, he saw a woman he liked. he took her. Jacob's willing to wait. and matter of fact, according to tradition, he's about forty years old at this point. and so you know he he's up there in years for this time period, or actually we're still kind of at that that weird little crossover where human lives are starting to shorten, right, but they're not as short as what we think of them even further as we progress in the text. And we're actually going to talk about that. And if you're a member of the paddle story, I actually put up a link to a timeline that shows where the time, where the lives overlap and how long they were. And right. so that was a lot of fun to play with. And so we can
1: put that link in the show notes too. Cause that, that's something that, you know, if someone wants yeah. a resource for it.
2: Yeah. No, that I can do that.
1: Something we should definitely share. I mean, <laughs> we don't, we don't own that, but
2: what are you talking about No. Uh So you now it's, And we like stuff like that because we like things that help us um, see things clear and I'm a visual person. So having a timeline just really helps. Right. So this is where we get to move into Jacob. He's actually going to Laban's house and um, this, we're moving out of Isaac's story now because Rebecca, who promised to fetch her son.
1: All chapter of it. Yeah. Of, of Isaac. Of Isaac's story. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We kind of, you know, that book we talked about last week, if the book of Isaac, where is it? What's, what was going on? Cause he just doesn't get much airtime. Well, that's okay.
1: Cause you know, we've got plenty of other Bible to talk about.
2: Yeah. But you kind of want to know what, what was going on. So, but yes. Um, so anyway, he, Jacob's on his way to, to Laban's house. Um, and this is picking up his story. This is where he's coming into his own, his own right. What am I trying to say? His own personhood. He's growing up. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. And Rebecca never calls him back. Um, we know that she she just disappears from the scripture at this point. We never hear anything beyond this promise, and then she's gone. Hmm. And there's, you know, of course the sages and the rabbis made, made much about that. Uh, I didn't go into a lot of that because it it was so speculative. Right. And when I bring up speculation, a lot of times what I want to do is just kind of, I want to provoke thought, but I want to show you the tie-ins to scripture. And I really couldn't get there. Okay. So, and so this is Jacob's famous encounter with God. Which one? which one this is the the first one and that's the other thing you and i talked about was how these these two things get conflated uh there's two counters with god one is the stairway to heaven and one's the wrestling and one's the wrestling with god and those kind of get squished together in our minds too if we aren't careful and they actually happen decades apart right and so um find my spot i had marked here
1: Did the girls take your notes again?
2: (laughs) Actually, I gave them old notes, so let's try to, yeah. (laughs) Ah, here it is. And Jacob left Beersheba, uh, this is uh, Genesis 28, verse 10, uh, and set out for Haran. Remember, Haran's where Abraham left from. He left his father and everybody behind there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he came upon a certain place and stopped there for a night, and for the sun had set, Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place. Did you notice a word that kept being repeated?
1: Say, place again?:
2: Yeah, pretty much. So this is an important term. Uh, And're that's what I wanted to talk about. This, first of all, the, the main thing it does is it ties it back to the Akeda, uh, uh-huh. well, this is when uh, or the binding of Isaac. For those of you who don't speak Hebrew, um, and there's several things that that tie it together. Uh, and this this word in Hebrew is makom, okay, and it, it literally hamakom or uh, literally means the place, right? And um, the first time we encounter that term is with Abraham at the Akedah, and he lifted his eyes up from a, and saw hamakom, the place from afar, mm-hmm. and um, so we've got the term here in both in both passages. The names of God in both passages appear 10 times, uh, both Elohim and Yahweh, and both 10 times. Heaven and earth both appear five times each. Uh, there's angels overhead in both of them. God gives a blessing in both of them. And so the the rabbis saw this as being very closely connected. And I didn't spend a lot of time on that, honestly, but I wanted to to bring it up because now, you know, anybody can take it and read the two and and kind of begin looking for similarities and seeing what they, what they find. But the, the term Macomb becomes a synonymous with omnipresent. Okay. And trying to work that out. And this is where I save some of those, those quotes from the rabbis. Um, and I, I just wanted to read them because I think it gives a little bit of insight into how they conducted their discussions. And so the first rabbi says, why is the Holy One, blessed be he, given the epithet and called omnipresent or hamakom? His answer, because he is in the, he, God, is in the place, hamakom, of this world. Okay. And this is derived from the teaching of Rabbi Yos. Yose Ben Halafta, probably butchered that, but I'm trying. We do not know whether the Holy One, blessed be he, is the place of his world or the world is his place. Since it is written, behold, there is a place by me. That's Exodus thirty-three, twenty-one. It is to be in, uh, inferred that the Holy One, blessed be he, is the place of his world and that his world is not the, his place. Did you follow that? <laughs>
1: That is interesting, and and one thing I want to clarify: uh, the Holy One, Blessed be He. That is how you'll usually see um, people refer to God specifically uh, in a lot of the in, rabbinic, in, yeah, in the rabbinic writings to replace anytime you would use Yahweh, um, because they believed you weren't supposed to just flippantly say the name of God.
2: You don't say the name of God. Even Elohim is iffy, and if you use the word Elohim in your reading a verse in Hebrew, you have to read the entire verse. You don't read just. Part of the verse. Um, and even this is why times uh we follow a great page on uh, Facebook, you and I both do called Sundries. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we'll you'll see their posts, they'll have G-D. And that's because out of respect for the Jewish readers where you don't even write the name God, which is kind of a generic name for God. Um and so blessed, yeah, the holy one, blessed be he is a way to make sure that you don't accidentally slip up and use. Any title uh, that could be considered a name, kind of irreverently. So yeah, but the the, the what this is boils down to, what I just read, what they're talking about is Macomb. Is it a geographic place, or is it a spiritual condition? So geographic location, spiritual condition.
0: Okay, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs>
2: Well, I, I, I didn't know if that was a look to say you were saying something. Nope. Um, so Macomb does always seem to refer to a geographic place. And and it's not enough to say that it's just a geographic place. You have to be able to compare and contrast if you're doing rabbinic arguing. You've got to, to work the equation both ways, right. so to speak. And so, what they did was they, they looked at places where it talked about heaven and the God of heaven. And they contrasted heaven with Macomb. And so, you know, in Jonah 1 9, we talk about the God of heaven. Cyrus, whenever he, he makes his proclamations to Ez, in Ezra, God of heaven. Nehemiah, the same thing. And Daniel. And it's to the use of that term specifically in those. Passages is to designate that God is God over all creation. Okay. Because when you look at those, those passages, Jonah, he's not going to other people in Israel. Right. He, he's going outside of the, the geography. Cyrus. Cyrus is an outsider who has technically no right to make decrees for Israel. Right. Uh, Nehemiah is part of that Ezra tradition. Daniel. He's either I didn't look up the passage specifically. He's either with Nebuchadnezzar or Darius. The same kind of thing. So these these proclamations of the God of Heaven is this idea that God is not relegated to a certain point of geography, be it a nation or a temple. He has authority over all of the earth.
1: Right. Well, and I did find it interesting where you mentioned you know the name the the name of God was used ten times in mm-hmm. heaven and earth. We choose five. Mm-hmm. And to uh, you know, even that could be. I don't know if that that's the point, but you could see that as this is to show that God is God in both places. Like his his reign covers both places. You know, it's equal to ruling heaven and earth.
2: Right, and I think that's really that was the point going on there, and that God because when we look at uh, Hamakom and we start to look at it as omniscient, omnipresent, then now we're moving God where he's not just living in heaven separate from humanity that he is still able to be present with humanity yeah and so heaven becomes a concrete place and and for to back that up um is Isaiah 26:21 says for behold the lord is coming out of his place hamakom to punish the inhabitants of earth so god the place in that time, uh, in this verse, is heaven, right? But he's still able to come to Earth in order to to, to punish. Yes, and, and in doing so, he's leaving the place in heaven to come to a place he's going to create or be manifest mm-hmm. in Earth. And so, basically, after much wrangling and much discussion, uh, it boils down to that: Hamacomb is any place. Where God reveals himself, and if heaven is a concrete place, then the Hamakom becomes that was redundant the hamakom it should just be macomb uh, the macomb becomes um, becomes the place of God's revelation on earth. and so you I, I know it's like this is I love this though, because when you're forced to really think about what it means to be omnipresent. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it forces us to stop thinking about, you know, the he's got the whole world. You know, it, it's beyond the world. Right. It, it, it takes it past what we're comfortable with and forces us to think about God in bigger terms. And so I am looking. So Macomb, Macomb is any place God chooses to reveal himself, emphasizing his nearness to those who seek him. Heaven is the place where God dwells apart from humanity, emphasizing his separateness and distinction from things of earth or his holiness. Right. So you've got to have both in tandem, or you don't have a complete picture of who God is. Right. So it becomes a specific place. And this led to the idea that is erroneous that this place that Jacob was at was not at Bethel, but was indeed at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right i I had
1: wondered about that if there was any speculation on that but
2: right well because when abraham sees sees the the place from afar this winds up being jerusalem or golgotha or the temple mound Mm -hmm. there we talked about the debate on that right um but then when we turn around and we come back to uh this place where god is revealing himself there's a desire that if God's going to to create this stairway, surely it should be at a place of worship. Right. And so the idea that this would be the place where the temple was built, and then when we've got the David later on with the threshing floor, and he looks out and he sees the angel, and that becomes the place where he builds the temple on Mount Moriah. So that's that's... It all becomes very convoluted, but the problem with the place
1: where Solomon builds the temple, not David.
2: David marked it off with flags and sticks, <laughs> put so. cones around it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's out
1: there with the caution tape. Sorry, it's little orange fences. Sorry, Go, I'm I'm going too far with that. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> right. Well, and, and Bethel was a place uh, of ancient worship. And we we actually have archaeological digs that like take it way way back, and I forget, I think it's like to two thousand BCE that archaeology can confirm that it was used as a place of worship, not necessarily for God, but for any major deity.
1: Yeah, which which I, I yeah I remember you mentioned that that that's led to some speculation that he was passing through, and there was like oh well this is this is where people sacrifice. I better stop and sacrifice.
2: Right. Well and and the the rabbis try to make it very clear that he he could have done that but they really want to try and emphasize that this was completely accidental. He just happened to fall asleep here. He didn't realize the significance of this. I don't know.
1: Well and then, and then, then you have the other question was was this act of worship was this intersection of god with with the earth Was this a place where other spirits were trying to actively battle and overtake and set up shops of worship there?
2: Well, Heiser says that, and this is in his Unseen Realm book, um, that this, we have children at the door. Yeah, Uh, He says that this is a... uh, Keep going. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying. I hear meow meow. But uh, this is the uh, a representation of the divine council that Jacob has been allowed to witness. And um, so he gets to see this. Uh, it also connects the, the fact that this is a stairway or a ladder to heaven. This connects this back to the Tower of Babel story.
1: Right. And uh, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. And Rashi picked up on this and he's like, hey, you know, there's... God has kept Israel as his inheritance, his His portion, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 and 9. And so God's angels are active in Israel, in the land of Canaan. Other angels are active outside of Canaan. Mm-hmm. And so his interpretation is the angels going up were the angels who watched over Jacob in Canaan, or returning to heaven. And the new angels who are being assigned to watch over Jacob outside of Canaan were descending. <laughs> so
1: Well, yeah, yeah, because you do have a lot of that where the spirits are tied to the land type of thing. That's that's pretty fun. That's a that's a fun one to think about.
2: And again, speculation. Uh Rashi's great. Don't get me wrong. I I love Rashi. He's got a lot of wonderful insight, but there are times that it's just like Mm, can't follow you there. And there's a few iffy things. So you kind of have to take Grashy with a grain of salt. Right. But at the same time, that's that is fun because there is um that whole idea of being connected to the land. I mean, there are even stories up into uh the Greek time and the Hellenistic period where it talked about if you removed a deity from their land, they didn't have any power or mm-hmm. their power was weakened. And so and you know that's the whole premise of uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gods. Right,
1: right. It's that's a really interesting story. It's very rough. I I can't just give it a blanket uh, recommendation. Um, there's there's lots of violence. There's lots that's of sex. sex. We're reading but, the Bible. <laughs> but well, yeah, that's true. We are reading the Bible. So you know, <laughs> put the Bible in inside of American Gods to read it. No. Um, but the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no one gets offended. But um but yeah that is the that's the whole premise of that is that the immigrants uh brought uh their gods over when they came into America from Europe and that they've just been slowly losing their power because no one is worshiping them and they're not connected to where they're supposed to be. It, it it's a very interesting concept and
2: well and we we even in the Bible we see we see this um with uh Naaman. Mm -hmm. the leper and going back to his homeland with the bags of soil. Uh, There's another story, which I wanted, well, there are a couple of more, uh, but it ties in because, um, you know, Jacob is sleeping in a sacred place, whether he's doing it on purpose or he's doing it accidentally. This was a place of worship. Matter of fact, when the kingdoms divided um, after Solomon, Bethel was a place of um, of worship that was established by whoops King Jeroboam, right? Yeah, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. We'll make sure you keep them straight. And it wasn't until King Josiah destroyed it that it stopped being a place uh, of worship for God Himself, right? So th- this was significant, but sleeping in a sacred place was was. Um, It's called incubation. You would go in. uh, Solomon did it. He went, I believe Solomon went to Shiloh. Yeah, and he slept there. And this is when God appears to him in a dream and and asks, you know, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. And God's pleased with his answer. And So Solomon does it. Uh, Samuel uh, is doing it not necessarily as an attempt to contact God, but he is sleeping sleeping in the temple Mm -hmm. or in the tabernacle. And and there's a great debate on how close was he to the ark at this point, because this is at Shiloh, uh, which was a major place of worship. Sure. Um, But then it shows up again in some place I think most of us aren't expecting it to find. And it actually shows up in the New Testament, and it shows up in John 5. Right and i always like to tell this story <laughs> because it, it, there's so many things to learn and so basically the story is this is when jesus heals the guy at the pool of bethsaida and he uh, they were he was lying there by the pool and it says that a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed were around the pool. And I'm trying to think of the best way to hit this. You gotta get your approach right. And so if you- Just get, tell the story. Well, yeah. Well, and so he, he, goes in, um, he, he goes in and sees this guy and he, he offers to heal him, but the guy complains. And the guy says, basically, I can't get to the pool fast enough because- the thing was the the water of, in the pool would be disturbed and it, it depending on which version of the bible you read it's kind of, you don't know who disturbs the bible uh, the bible who disturbs the bible who disturbs the bible i disturb bible the bible disturbs us oh. <laughs> hopefully um but so, go ahead
1: it, it, yeah so it's, it. who disturbs the pool? Is that yeah, what
2: you're saying? Yeah. So, okay, I want to give you an idea of what what is out there. So if you're looking at the New American Standard, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons to disturb the pool. And when the pool was disturbed, then the, the first person into the pool would be healed. And everybody else was just out of luck. King James says, for an angel went at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. International Standard says, certain times an angel of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to skip a few King James 2000 for an angel went to a certain time. The problem is if you look at Bible translations and this is there's differences and I prefer the ESV I and mean, we've talked about this before and so that is um verse John John for Ver- Let's try this again. John chapter 5 Verse 4 is actually missing if you have an ESV Bible. Right. There is no mention of the angel or the, the disturbed water. And the reason for that is because when you get a hold of certain, trans, uh, tra- certain transcript uh, manuscripts, manuscripts yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. The older, most reliable manuscripts do not have anything about an angel of the Lord. Uh, this is um, what we, a scribal insertion. And basically, what happened was there was a scribe who said, This story is kind of weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And we know all healing comes from God. So we better figure out some way to attribute it to him. Right. And so the scribe tried to help us out. He didn't really help us out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because what happened was, Now we've got this God who decides that he will heal one person and he's going to make everybody else fight and grapple and be bitter and angry in their jealousy over not being healed. And there's nothing in this story that sounds like God. right? And so now what's really cool is we've, we've found this, we know where this happened. We
1: We didn't, but archaeologists found it.
2: Yeah. Other people, the royal. Um, other people have found it. You can go visit it in Jerusalem today. And we can tell that this was not some kind of Jewish uh, mikvah, which is where uh, a mikvah is where there was ritual immersion. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that someone one. Uh, I, b- I
1: believe we did. Yeah. If not, we, we can talk about it later.
2: Yeah. So the, the, these, these mikvahs, which were used for Jewish ceremonies, this was something completely different and we now know that this was a temple to a greek god there's some call it by the greek name some call it by the the roman name cuz we all know that the romans just renamed the greek gods right and um it, it's a greek god named asclepius and asclepius um he was the god of healing and it was believed that if you would go to his temples and you would sleep in his temples then you could be healed now there were bodyguards outside <laughs> And if okay. it looks like you're getting ready to die, they wouldn't let you in. So, you know, obviously everybody who <laughs> who came in was healed. There's multiple t- temples to Asclepius all over this area of the world. And you, you would,
1: mean the people in the crowd were carefully selected for show?
2: Yeah. Sound familiar? Uh, Moving on. <laughs> and so... Uh, they they would go sleep in it. They would they would bathe in these medicinal pools that were believed to have certain healing powers. Um there were dogs that were fed special diets to lick wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh snakes were allowed to crawl over the sleeper, sleeping people and then whisper the secrets of the gods into people's ears. And you know, it sounds like the perfect day spa. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> no, don't. I'm I'm kidding.
2: But This is, um, you know, this guy. It talks about him just laying there, but he wasn't just laying there next to a like, you know, he'd go a couple hours in the afternoon and lay next to the pool. He was living there, right, along with several other people, and they were they were living, sleeping in this sacred location, hoping that this God was going to show up and reveal His power. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this story is Jesus is like. Walking in on this God's turf and saying, "Yeah, this might be the little chunk of Israel you think that you have some kind of power in." Right. But watch me. And by the way, I don't even need any water to do it. Yeah. And, and, and that's another important point, because Jesus tells him does not tell him to get in the water. When he heals the guy later on with uh, the pool of Salome, he, and he tells the guy to go dip in the pool. Right That was a mikvah, right We also know where that is. And so we, we, can, we found that, and he can, um, again, the royal way, uh, <laughs> he goes and he, he immerses in it because that was the proper thing to do under Jewish law. Right. So interesting commentary on law and observation there, but we won't go down that path.
1: But, but well, it, no, I do find that that, that is pretty interesting because, you know, you have those two things con- uh, contrasted because you have Jesus just saying, we d- if we don't have everything we need for the proper ceremony, we're just going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an attitude that has been generally adopted by a lot of uh, rabbis, You know, especially since the destruction of the temple and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't have all the ritualistic things, so we're just going to practice doing right.
2: Well, and this is where um, in, in Judaism, the, the act of uh, giving charity and giving alms to the poor uh, has become the replacement for sacrifice. And so that that's you know how do you how do you practice your religion in, in a place where you don't have all the the accoutrements is a really good question, and that's something that Judaism wrestles with and wrestled with well, right? because the temple's gone at seventy a d So roughly forty years after Jesus died, the temple is totally destroyed, and they're still around. Mm-hmm. And thank God because I mean, I get to steal all of their great material <laughs> so.
1: Lots of lots of good thinkers in uh, studying the scriptures, so but was was there anything else we wanted to to touch on with this
2: well i I think bringing it back to Jacob it, it's one of those things that even though this was a pagan worship site, mm-hmm. God still demonstrates just like Jesus did in John five, I still have the power to reveal myself here right and, and no, no foreign God, no other God is going to displace me. And I think sometimes when we talk about the divine counsel worldview, um, people think, oh, my goodness, you're you're talking about other gods and you're being heretical. And, you know, how dare you? OK. No, we're not being heretical. The Bible acknowledges other gods in so many different places mm-hmm. and calls them by name. We got male Baal and Marduk and uh, Asher, uh, I always get it wrong. Asherah. Yes, thank you. And um, my oki sometimes just is way too strong. And so anyway. <laughs> move, uh, move to Norman. The, uh, the, th- they're there. And even the first commandment doesn't say there are no other gods. It said you shall have no other gods. Right. So how can you have something if they don't exist? Exactly. And so th- this story demonstrates God's ability one to be greater than any other God. Mm-hmm. It shows that he is still in heaven and he's still ruling over everything. But at the same time, he is present with Jacob. And so the fact that God can be in heaven and on earth, have authority in heaven and on earth simultaneously, this is pushing Jacob specifically to to consider God in a new way. Because if you'll notice in verse seventeen, um, I don't know what your Bible says, but this one says he was shaken. How awesome is this place? This is the first time that any of the um, patriarchs—I mean Isaac and Abraham and even Rebecca—nobody who who has seen God has had this response. Right. Well, and
1: and the other people who have who have interacted with God and seen him at this point have not seen him enthroned. Right. And and they've they've not they've seen they've seen. Uh, the Theophanies. And so it's, it's not the same. And that's actually, you know, I, and we could go on this trail forever, but just the whole idea of, you know, him being shaken and that we, we tend to romanticize that as like excitement and just exuberance. But man, you got to imagine he was probably scared.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there's no other... I, I can't imagine having any other response to to a manifestation of God, especially God in heaven, right? That and like you said, I think that that's the big distinction here. And so Jacob, he he does make a memorial there after he and God have their little talk. Uh, Jacob makes God makes a vow to return Jacob to the land. Mm-hmm. This is important because for a while there, it looks like he's not coming back, right? And uh, so God makes that that. Uh, the promise to bring Jacob back. Uh, Jacob makes a memorial. He pours oil on it. Oil was a typical way of, of sealing a covenant uh, if you weren't going to chop up animals like Abraham did. Right. You're, you're going to pour out oil. And Jacob makes a vow in return to God. He says, If God remains with me, if he protects me on this journey that I am making and gives me bread to eat, clothing to wear, and if I return safe to my father's house, the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be. God's abode, and of all that you give me, I shall set aside a tithe for you. Okay, number one, if God tells you that he needs you, that he's going to protect you, that should scare you. Right. <laughs> and I think we forget that.
1: That means I'm going to have things I need to be protected from.
2: Yeah. We I,
1: always, yeah, we forget that side of it.
2: Well, because I hear so many people praying, hey, God, protect me. Are, are you, what are you saying in that prayer? God, I you
1: know. Yeah, God, we're about to go into danger. So, yeah.
2: So, and the other thing, because this is this is brought up a lot of yeah, um, one more point. One more point. This is it. See, I, I told promise. you I'd let you know. Okay, good. This is well, and this worked out well. Uh, th- there's been some debate if is Jacob really bargaining with God here, saying, "Hey, this is what you've got to give me. You have to give me." clothes to wear and food to eat and protect me and, and then I'll serve you. That's one way to read it. Or the other um, thing is, okay, God is going to do this. Right. And I'm going to trust it. Uh, I'm going to trust the promises he made. And, and how you read that is really more a reflection of the person reading the text mm-hmm. than the person who wrote the text. Because we don't have question marks in Hebrew, right? And, and that's something to consider when you when you're reading stuff like this. Are we reading really what's in front of us? And how much are we of ourselves are we putting into it? We're going to put some of ourselves into it. We can't stop it, right? But we just need to be aware that that's something that we do. Uh, I kind of think at this point. I mean, I, I personally believe if you're looking up at God in heaven and God's talking to you, and you're watching the angels that you probably aren't doing much bargaining at this point. Right. But that's just me. And so, but that actually, that kind of wraps up what I had for all of this. Okay,
1: perfect. So. Well, that that's, uh, that's a whole lot of stuff to think about. And uh, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back through this and, <laughs> and look up some of these questions. But yeah. for everyone out there who's listening, thank you. Uh, we enjoyed having you. For those watching, uh, also, thank you. And we hope you enjoyed what you heard. If, uh, or at least it's interesting, I hope. Whether or not you're enjoying it, I hope you're, you're finding it interesting. Uh, but come back uh, and hit the subscribe button, write us a review. If you really, really like what you heard, hit us up on Patreon, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC, uh, RavenCreekSC.com, where you can find links to just about every place. Where you'll also be able to find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Raven Creek SC. Um, that's our group. Uh, Again, repeating things we want people to know. Raven Creek, SC. <laughs> if you search Raven Creek Social Club, you will find us. Um, Absolutely, we'll be glad to have you. But yeah, come join the come join us on Facebook. That's where we're probably, we're probably most active. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be part of the the conversation. It's and we pick that probably by default by the fact that we just can't stick to 140 characters.
2: Yeah, in case you have noticed. and I do want to do a quick shout out to one of our listeners. Great gift, appreciate it, love it. And so, um, I will leave her nameless, but it's, it's awesome when listeners send us stuff.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us and until next week, I hope you have a great one and we'll look forward to having you back. Thanks. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Raven SC. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.